Hi, everyone, and welcome to the September 24th, 2021 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. Folks, it's been about a month since U.S.-based dealership group Lithium Motors bought FAF Automotive Group. So why did one of Canada's most recognized dealership groups sell? And since the brand will live on, does that mean expansion in Canada? We'll get the answers to those questions and some insight into how the deal came together when I speak with FAF CEO Chris Faff on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Chris, thanks for joining me on the show this week. Well, thanks very much for having me. Anytime, my pleasure. Let's start with an obvious question. Why sell at this uh, particular juncture? <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of things that go through your head. And, and obviously, we've been through a lot in the last couple of years uh, with COVID and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I think for myself and our, and our other uh, shareholders, it was a good time and uh, done on our own terms, which is always a good thing. Um, but also... It, the great thing about it is we're part of the new the new partnership with Livia in Canada, and we really look forward to leading that platform. I've known Brian DeBoer for six years, and uh, we've met on and off, and and I think have a pretty good relationship. So I'm all, I'm excited to you know sort of got our investment secured in FAF over the years, but also have the opportunity to move forward with an exciting new venture. You mentioned it six years you've known Brian. I am curious when did official discussions begin with Lithia? Because we've heard Lithia say they've been looking north for five years. So has this been ongoing for a while? I just wonder um, when it started, how long it took, maybe who made the first move? Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's, you know, um, serious discussions, but I, I would say that we got to, we met each other um, at a few of the NADAs and, uh, you know, it was just sort of kicking tires and talking about automotive philosophy and stuff. And nothing was really got serious until uh, I picked up the phone about a year ago just to see where Brian's head was at with their Canadian uh, expansion plans. There are a lot of FAF properties. I know some were left out. Could you just clarify which properties were left out of the deal and, and why? Um, the ones that were left out of the deal were Mercedes-Benz, Kitchener-Waterloo, uh, Harley-Davidson, and uh, as well our, our FAF Motorsports uh, business. So um, those ones have been left out of the deal. They may go into it at some point, who knows, And uh, but we'll continue to operate them fully uh, under the old sort of FAF, FAF hat. I, I know that Mercedes-Benz is very particular in when it when it seeks out new ownership for, for franchises and things like that. Was this a Mercedes-Benz roadblock or did you want to hang on to it? I just wonder how it stayed in Canada. I, I really can't comment on that right now. Nope, that's fair. I appreciate that. Um, and I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask this and I probably expect the same answer. Um, what was the price tag for FAF Automotive? <laughs> yeah, we, we can't discuss that either. I totally understand. Um, but you did keep an equity stake in the company. How big is that stake? Is it 49%? Is it 1%? I just wonder what the ratio is there. It, it, we won't comment on that either, other than to say that it is a minority okay. Uh, position. Okay. So how does your role with FAF change, if at all? Um, will the management structure look the same? I just wonder what changes from a management role and what might change to sort of the customer-facing part of FAF. Does anything change at all? How does that work? Not really. I mean, we're still, uh, even the, you know, the branding of FAF remains uh, the same. I'm still running the platform, the, the what we have and what we had before here in, in Canada. 
management is still the same. Uh, I would say that we've got, you know, some very sophisticated support back in Medford, Oregon, in terms of what they do with technology and management reporting, and etc. So I, I'd say that, you know, putting these two companies together is, is a one plus one equals three. It's really, uh, it's really strong. It's not just Lithia buying FAF and just sort of becoming new ownership. They're also bringing their driveway program north of the border. I think for the first time, um, anything like this has been in Canada. Can you just tell me and, and our listeners a little bit about that? Well, yeah, and again, it's not happening imminently, right? Uh, but I think the plan the plan is to to bring driveway here, which is really in its infancy in the United States as well. But all it is is it's an online uh, omni-channel way for consumers to purchase and service vehicles. Um, that's really it in a nutshell. And I would assume the time is right given COVID and the shift to online consumers. Um, are you excited by that prospect of of doing a little more online? What's that like? That transition. Yeah, we, we are very, very excited about it. And, and and still, I think, you know, in my case, I'm not speaking for, for Lithia sure. here, but just trying to figure out where it goes. I know with, you know, prior to the to the new partnership, we were still testing it as well, or, you know, not even testing it, we were in place. And consumers uh, are not really taking the full journey online in terms of purchasing a car, but they certainly are taking part of the steps towards it. So they're doing, you know, credit applications or getting a trade-in value and stuff. But I do think as time you know moves on, it's going to become more and more where people will be, become comfortable with that. But having said that, bricks and mortar ain't going anywhere. We need customers want to have a place where they can actually see and talk to people live. What are the benefits for FAF that arise from this deal? What do you see as sort of the allure of the deal and, and, and what makes it good for FAF? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Great question, because aside from, you know, in, investors um, t- taking out investments, it's more about, for me, because it's been my, my life's business, it's about where we position the company going forward. And again, I, I couldn't think of a better partner in North America that we could have partnered with to give us the strength to do further acquisition. We're going to grow very quickly here in Canada. We're looking for more opportunities. Uh, and we're looking for good people uh, to be part of that as well. So, and, and you know, with the, the technology, the demands that we, we're going to have to have in the future, I think that those investments are huge and, you know, data capture, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I think that we're a lot stronger going forward for growth. You know, Lithia didn't come here just to to partner with FAF. They came here to, to acquire, um, you know, a lot more. And, and these acquisitions, if you grow, they will be FAF branded, correct? I mean, it's not going to be a lithium motor store. It'll be a, a FAF store moving forward. It, that that really depends. It could be and it could not be. It really depends. You know, if there's, let's say there's a, a another group out somewhere else in the country where FAF isn't as relevant and they have a strong brand, I might say that you would keep that brand there. But, uh, you know, if we're doing something in the GTA, yeah, probably it would be FAF brand. Are there any challenges of answering to a U.S. ownership group? Have you sort of looked, I would assume, I mean, you're a smart businessman, you've looked that far ahead. I just wonder if there's any challenges on the horizon or anything that they do differently that you might have to change. What's that like answering to a U.S. ownership group, do you think? Well, you know, it's it's really interesting. And again, I, I wouldn't have done a partnership unless I knew the culture of Lithia. I think their culture is exactly why they're growing probably more successfully than any other group in, in North America. Um, and that's why I had comfort to stay on and, 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 and also to bring our people into this type of uh, environment. 
So uh, there's a lot of alignment on philosophy. I would say that, you know, the mainline uh, domestic and Japanese business, they, they, they know for sure know better than I do. We're maybe in the uh, higher end exotic and luxury. We've, we've got a lot of experience there. So I think there's a really great compliment there. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's uh, not just uh, answering to them and, and keeping them happy, but it's also where we can assist in maybe some other other businesses. Have you noticed any reaction in the um, dealer world in Canada? What has this done? Has it um, sparked interest in folks wanting to sell, do you think? Um, has it sparked interest from other American buyers? I just, I mean, it's a big acquisition, two big names, and I just wonder what that does and how it ripples across the country in dealership groups. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak to other Americans. I really haven't heard anything. Uh, I can speak to a lot of dealer interest. And when, when I say interest, not necessarily interest to sell, though I think they, some of those discussions may go down that route. But I think a lot of interest in, in why Lithia now, you know, why, why finally a, a U.S. public came up here and, uh, and maybe some of the thinking uh, that, that, that was behind my thoughts. So I think that, uh, yeah, there is definitely a lot of discussion going on in the industry and uh, thoughts as to, you know, what it means for the future. We actually always talk about that at our editorial meetings is why have no U.S. groups come north? What has been the deterrent over the years that kept U.S. dealer groups um, south of the border and not really jumping into the Canadian market? What was it that kept them out? You know, I, I don't really have a clear answer. I've talked, you know, to a few of them over the years for sure. I would say the answer usually that I got was, well, we got lots going on down here and we can, uh, we don't have to come up here, up, up there. So I think uh, maybe that was part, part of it and for sure, you know, a good deal of it. Uh, you mentioned this off the top. Um, FAF has a racing division. What happens with, with that? Does it operate as its own entity? Where does it go from here? Yeah, the motorsports is a is a great platform, and it it also uh, can assist with some of our dealerships and some of our manufacturer relationships. So we'll continue to go on. You know, I'm excited. We just won our second race in a row last night down in uh, Monterey, California. So the team's really doing well. We're second in the championship, but uh, more than that, it's about bringing together the the manufacturers and the suppliers. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of synergies that, that we benefit from as a company. So we'll continue to go there. And I think Lithia sees some value in it as well. Last question. And it's, um, topical and timely, um, August sales, not everyone, not every automaker reports on a monthly basis anymore, but those that do reported, um, huge increases in the luxury segment and you're a, a luxury and ultra luxury seller. I'm, I'm wondering what's going on in that market right now in Canada. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know why it is. It, it is very hot. And I've never seen an industry like this uh, in all the you know 40 years I've been around in this business. Um, I can tell you that even some of that hot is being held back because we don't have enough products, as you know, and uh, it really depends a little bit on the manufacturer. So despite all the challenges, um, yeah, the, the business is extremely strong. And, and so far into September, Again, it's looking extremely strong and, and we're really just selling everything we have. And I don't know if it's a panic consumer that they're hearing that you can't get a car. You better think about it now. Uh, it's really bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. And I can't even give you a clear answer as to why or how long. And is it, you know, consumers redirecting other other discretionary spending to automotive? I don't know. One of the things I heard is that perhaps folks are trying to get in ahead of the luxury tax. Is that anything you've heard rumblings about um, if that luxury tax is passed? 
Yeah, we, we, we've heard some of that for sure. Um, I would almost say a little less than what I would have thought uh, so far. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, we've definitely heard some of that. Chris, I want to thank you. Um, terrific insight. Congrats on the sale. Uh, congrats on the race win too. So uh, things are uh, going in the right direction for FAF. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. We reached Chris in the GTA. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody. 